Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Riccardo, welcome to Keeping Score, the podcast that goes beyond the trillion-dollar international sports business law marketing deal-making. Let's begin. First segment is the top deal-making stories of the week, four to one. How about number four? Guess what? There's a tennis tournament going on. It's called the Miami Open, but it's played basically inside Hard Rock Stadium, the global entertainment destination that Stephen Ross privately owns and spent $500 million for a multi-year renovation facelift. University of Miami football team, the Super Bowl, the 100th anniversary of the NFL, college football playoffs, and major concerts. But now, a $9 million purse men and $9 million purse woman tennis tournament that he actually saved from moving out of town as the deal was not done at Key Biscayne, where the original event had some of its early days. Kudos to Steve Ross. That's number four. Number three, deal-making issues of the week. Finally, we have a world record, Armando. He's been sold for a million and a half dollars. Guess who he is? He is a pigeon. The five-year-old racing pigeon named Armando sold to a dozen Chinese pigeon enthusiasts responsible for the huge sums being paid in recent years. They seem to have upped the price because the racing industry increasingly competitive and at times cutthroat. Seven of Armando's offerings, uh, offspring were auctioned for an average price of about $25,000 each. Good for Armando. And even though he's nearing retirement age, he could have highly profitable breeding years ahead of him. Even better for Armando. The sport's not without tar and its feathers, by the way. Huge pigeon racing cheating scandal in Shanghai last year. We know this is off, uh, completely off uh, track and for the birds, but 25 grand for a pigeon gives you some new perspective when you see them on the streets. Number two, Major League Baseball opens. Manny Machado, Bryce Harper dies down, but the Angels do the Padres and Phillies one better. Mike Trout finalizes the largest contract in professional sports history across the globe. A 12-year deal worth more than $430 million smashing previous records. The 12 years ties up the franchise financing for longer than you possibly can imagine. And as the Washington Post and other sources noted, keeping Trout will cost Angels owner Artie Moreno more than twice as much as the $184 million he paid for the entire franchise in 2003. Good for him and good for the players. That's number two. And finally, deal of the week number one. Juventus's outstanding on-field performances had significant financial implications for shareholders. Cristiano Ronaldo's hat-trick gave the football club a 3-0 victory over Atletico Madrid as he pushed the club through the UEFA Champions League quarters. But the bottom line is that participation in the next round guarantees the old lady another $18 million in UEFA prize money and ticket sales. The club sold a record $6.2 million worth in last round. And should Juventus go on to win the tournament, 
For the first time since 96, the team would stand to take in as much as 57 million more in gate receipts and hospitality. The shares climbed as much as 30% last Wednesday before closing day up 18% on the public board. Winning on the field isn't the only way for a publicly traded European football team to move its share price. The shares are 140% higher than when the team acquired Ronaldo. Good for them, good for us. Deal-making issues one through four, we'll have it every week. Now, inside the boardroom, our interview with a key international leader in the sports business. Cutter, by the way, as you know, hosting the FIFA World Cup in 2022. The economic and investment opportunities will create upwards of about $10 billion for U.S. companies and even more internationally. First Arab country ever to host the tournament and has planned the tournament to be a carbon neutral stadium development opportunity where the stadiums will actually be taken down and transported to third world countries. We'll deal with that more in a future podcast. But Qatar donated $100 million to the humanitarian relief for Hurricane Katrina, Vic a victims, $30 million to help people of Texas through the Harvey flood in 2017 and other international programs. And they invest around a billion dollars globally in arts and culture. So whether the story focuses only on some of the stadium infrastructure and vote issues earlier or not, certainly the perspective of Qatar as a World Cup member and the international community needs to be told. Communications Director Fatma Ali Al-Nuami has been the head of the Legacy Committee from a communications perspective for a number of years. We caught up with her at the opening of the D.C. United season two weeks ago. Interesting perspective about all of this. Here she is. Rick Haro here on opening weekend for MLS at Audi Field. DC United begins the MLS season and their championship run. And we have a special event on the day before. It is an event called Kick It for Cutter, but it's really the relationship with the Cutter Embassy and the country highlighting the idea that in just three years, the World Cup coming to Qatar and the United States will play a significant role, as will the rest of the world, in preparations and excitement as well. Fatima Al-Nami with the World Cup Qatar 2022 Committee, the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy. I'm not sure I got all the words right, but I think I got them all out. Thank you. How are you? Good. Thank Good. you for hosting me. Absolutely. So tell me first how the preparations are going for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Uh, the preparation actually is on schedule. We're having two stadiums will be launching this year, and two stadiums will be completed this year. So all the stadiums will be ready by 2020. And I'm sure everybody is excited about having so many stadiums and so much infrastructure investment in a country that many people don't know about. I guess some part of the benefit of Qatar putting on these games is to show the world what the country is all about as well. Well, for us, when we bid for the uh, for yeah. the World Cup, it's not only about the uh, let's say we promise to deliver a world cla- class uh, sporting facilities, but we're actually looking beyond the legacy of this uh, hosting this tournament when it comes to social, human, economical development. So, uh, and we started, I mean, like these uh, different programs and. Uh, 
when it comes or different initiatives when it comes to uh, these social and human development. So, so, but and so, get more, get a little more specific, if you would, about the whole aspect of, of legacy. There are a lot of major events, World Cups, Olympics, that promise the legacy and are short on delivering that. You obviously are very committed to having these facilities be the beginning and not the end. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, just like you said, I mean, Doha is a small in size, and we don't need all of these different, the big facilities. So we have, like, for example, one of the facilities that will be fully demountable. It's being it's designed to be sustainable through shipping containers. And uh, this is, I mean, like, one of the legacy that we're trying to do. Every stadium, I mean, like, have a capacity of around 40,000 or 80,000 seats. And uh, post the tournament, we will be demount the all of these stadiums. Where are they going? They will be donated to country that lack of uh, sporting infrastructure. Do you, do you see this as a it's, a, it's an ingenious and novel way to build facilities? I've been in the facility business for a number of years in America, and you can't move them. And it costs a billion dollars. billion dollars here is, 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 not, is not easy anywhere, but the idea of portable, demountable facilities is something that hasn't been focused on, and if it's successful, I'm sure it will create a legacy in and of itself. Yes, I mean, like, this is what we have learned from previous tournaments. I mean, looking at the example of Brazil and uh, different countries, I think this is one, and our commitment to sports, which goes beyond our uh, country and for the region and the rest of the world. The bid surprised a lot of people. We're past all of that. Um, the United States thought they would get it. A lot of people think they get bids. But the beauty of the World Cup as an institution is that beyond yours, and then you've got uh, another other one in the not too distant future, the U.S. and Canada and Mexico have a joint World Cup as well. So it's an opportunity to continue the momentum that will then bring the World Cup back to the United States four years later. I assume that's an important part of the legacy that you all will have that will then be given to the next country or host countries as they do the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think what you share in the vision. I mean, like the same as the bid with the U.S. I mean, we're hosting these events to, with the ultimate vision of to bring people together, to bridging right. countries, and actually just to ensure also there is a legacy left beyond. And one of the legacies that we are uh, hoping actually also to achieve, to bridge the gap, because, I mean, a lot of people... Um, you know, to change the misconception or perception. I mean, a lot of people hear about maybe Qatar in the region, but I mean, now with the World Cup, there is more reasons they can know about rather than conflict. Tell me also why you're here today. What is the relationship between Qatar and the MLS and DC United? Why is this relationship important? Um, football development, I mean, utilizing the power of football to drive social change. I mean, I mean, through the embassy and the partnership that they have with the DC's course. Yeah. I mean, like you see today, I mean, everybody and the communities and the engagement that they're having and the activations. This is, I mean, like what's more important for us. And we do have, I mean, different programs when it comes to Generation Amazing, where we use, I mean, like the uh, football as a tool. And we do, I mean, uh, operate in a lot of different countries. We have like India, Nepal, uh, Pakistan. So we're always trying to focus on how we can engage the communities and using the football, I mean, as a tool. And today, I mean, going around the stadium, seeing, I mean, these families and it was really actually successful activations. Yeah. And, and, and not just an activation from a marketing perspective. 
but also to do social good, the power of sports. If you have resources and you know that you have the ability to influence the growth and development of football over the next few years, it sounds like it's a wise investment of dollars to do it all over the world if you can possibly find the right recipients for that. Yes, and this is what we, I mean, trying to look for in this partnership. In every country, I mean, like here in, through, I mean, U.S. and uh, D.C. soccers, I mean, the we share, I mean, the same vision and values and how we want to utilize sports. So, I mean, this is the type of partnerships we're looking for to grow, I mean, like uh, the grassroots football within the communities. The grassroots football is really important. You'd have done it anyway. Obviously, Nepal and India are good examples. The fact that the World Cup after Qatar follows the U.S. and then Canada and Mexico makes it even easier, I assume, because there is an automatic connection as well. Yes, and this is, I think, we will be seeing more of these collaborations in the future. You having fun? Yes. Yeah. You enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, like seeing the communities uh, there and the kids, actually, I, I like these type of, uh, actually, events. It's going to even get better. Fatima, thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. I'm for pleased you. again. So let me get it right. It is the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy. She just prefers the World Cup Cutter 2022. Whatever it is, it's a big deal. Thank you very much. Our final two segments weekly focus on issues that are very important to the international and domestic listener. Tech Top 5, the Tech Business Minute. Three issues this week, actually two, dominate the landscape. Number one, Major League Baseball's opening, and they secure Rocket League with a content deal with a baseball-branded fan pack. The MLB fan pack allows gamers to customize their own virtual car with cap toppers, flags, and player banners for all 30 teams. I have no idea what that is, but that's probably because I'm not a millennial. Rocket League will also create a baseball rocket boost feature to enhance the performance of the car. The activation available for the Rocket League community of more than 56 million starting May, March 25, a $3 purchase in time for the upcoming MLB season starting this week. And Commissioner Rob Manfred admitted that esports isn't his strongest sector yet, but it's very much on his mind and expect to see more moves like this arriving with more frequency as MLB, the only major U.S. sports league without its own gaming strand as the NBA, NHL, NFL, and MLS already on board. And finally, for the Tech Business Minute this week, Google unveils Stadia to allow users to stream video games at a better quality, a Netflix-style portfolio of gaming options available in 4K. Stadium will have to, Stadia will have to prove that it has the infrastructure to sustain what is likely to be a high volume of user traffic and overcome the substantial costs of streaming, but it's a big plus for eSports streamers and fans who will both benefit from a platform streamline just for them. My bet is we're going to be dominated by esports issues in future sports tech business minutes. Finally, the power of sports minute, a regular feature which is long overdue. Let's get at it. On the baseball side, Houston Astros pitcher Justin Verlander and Kate Upton united service dogs with veterans. Adopt 
Rescue Heal. The first four veterans received their mixed breed dogs last week. The Astros honoring the men in their preseason game against the Yankees. Kate Upton and Justin Verlander married in 2017. They merged their their causes and one was individual philanthropy with Upton's Grand Slam pet adoption and Verlander's win for Warriors. The power couples match dogs and veterans equally in need of one another a good deal. Now, football, college football, really college basketball, college anything. The crying Northwestern fan and those watching domestically, he's back, a just-what-happened whale as Northwestern lost in their uh, uh, in their uh, uh, March Madness game two years ago. But they made the commercial to go from First Book, a charity from Pizza Hut that gives books to kids in need, and the Harvest Program, which donates foods. The mother of the kid explained it would roughly cover a year of tuition in Northwestern, about 55 grand. And it may seem to lack true value, but the proof is in the pudding that becoming an internet star really can help you make a difference. And here's the example. Finally, in the Power of Sports Minute, former Bears quarterback Charles Tillman rose across Lake Michigan to support childhood cancer research. He's going from St. Joseph, Michigan to Chicago. Tillman undertakes his row in August, raising money for pediatric cancer research. But get this, he's never built a boat. He's doing it. And he's never really been a rower. He's doing it. God bless Charles Tillman and his issues in all philanthropy, because philanthropy is the key to human existence, a $12 billion industry, Power of Sports Minute. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.